Well, good evening, everyone. Great to be with each and every one of you today. Those of you online, welcome wherever you're watching from, worshiping with us. I'll tell you what, why don't you send us a note? Let us know what state or what country you're in. It's a privilege to be with each and every one of you. And friends that are here on campus, wow, we've had a fantastic day today. Amen? Every one of our services, God did incredible things. Let's give it up for God. Uh, if you were in the third service at the end, I believe there was nine or ten, or there were nine or ten people that followed the Lord in water baptism, and uh, a lot of people came out with Kleenex or hankies <laughs> because of the incredible life change that uh, and the stories that they heard, what God had done in in people's lives, and how they're following God. It was exciting to see that, and so we're excited for each person that's followed the Lord in water baptism. We'll be doing that again in the month of August. But we're glad that you're here tonight, and uh, we're going to begin or continue on in the generations um, uh, theme. And the assignment that I've been given is parents. Now, as you follow that moniker across the top in the different things, it goes from like eight tracks, or it goes from records to what, eight tracks, to uh, CDs, to, and then I don't even know what the last two are. I'm not in the last two, okay? But I was thinking about this, and I, I thought, you know, I'm probably in the eight track area. Do you remember eight tracks? All right, some of you do. And uh, man, I had the Imperials, and uh, the last car I had was a 1981 Delta 88 that had an eight track in it. And I wore that thing out. Some of you don't even know what an eight track is, right? But you know what? Different generations, different things. We're so glad that you're here tonight. Well, what do these stones mean? When you've gone on vacation, do you, are you one of those that you stop and you pick up something to remember it by? Okay. You know what? Tell that person next to you what was the last thing that you got while you were on vacation to help you remember that place that you were at. Could be a keychain, it could be a hat, it could be whatever, but let's just take about 10, 15 seconds. Tell that person close by, what did you get, okay? All right, so help us. What are some of the things that you have brought home that you probably didn't need? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but what are some of those things that you brought home to remember your trip? Yell them out. A stone, a rock, okay, somebody else. What was it? Starfish. You brought a live starfish? Oregon fishing game, she's in the second. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Somebody else. What are some of those other things? Yes. Knowledge from the garden. Of oh, olives, but probably knowledge too, right? But all olives from the garden of Gethsemane, right? Somebody else. How about this section? Crab from Newport, hallelujah. What time do we meet for dinner? No, just kidding. Yeah. All right. How about way over here? Somebody? Yes. Oh. We didn't need to hear that. Yeah. And how about this section over here? Yes. 
The Star of David. Wow. All right. Usually when I go someplace, I bring back keychains because uh, they fit fairly nicely. Most of the time I can get them in there, either that or a baseball cap, something like that, and that helps me remember where I've been. This uh, one is from uh, Cabo San Lucas down in Mexico, and so every day when I put that in my pocket, I often think of the wonderful times that we've had being down there. Well, the children of Israel were told to also gather some mementos together. And if you will, power up or open up your scriptures to uh, Joshua chapter 4 and join me in verse 20, if you will. So Joshua chapter 4 and verse number 20. And Joshua set up the tw- uh, up at Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites in the future, when your descendants ask their fathers, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until they had crossed over, until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so all the peoples of the earth might know that the name of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Father, thanks for this privilege that we have of sharing the word tonight. Thank you for the wonderful friends that are online as well as those that are here in person. God, thank you for speaking to each and every one of us tonight. We love you. We praise you in your precious name. Amen. Well, we live on a farm, as many of you know, and my father-in-law calls it the farm of rocks at time. (laughs) And uh, guess what? I have props from the farm uh, with us tonight, and I went and gathered these from a, a spot that we have, and you know what? Joshua told the uh, one person from each of the tribes of Israel, he said, now, in order for us to remember what our God has done, here's what I want you to do. One person from each tribe, I want you to go into that river in front of the ark, and I want you to pick up a stone. They walked across on dry ground. That's what it said, amen? And can you imagine those guys, whoever they were, those 12, they went in there and they, they picked up those stones. Now, they may have been bigger than these stones. I'm not sure. We're, we're not sure. They're not, we're not sure exactly where those stones are still today. But nevertheless, they picked up 12 and they brought those and they brought them to Joshua. And it says this, that Joshua then took those stones He was at a place called Gilgal. And Gilgal means, in in Hebrew, the circle of stones. Or a place of remembrance, if you will. And you know what he did with those? Is he took those stones and he began to set them down in front of the children of Israel. And I believe as he sat those stones down in front of each and every one of them, maybe he he started out with the the, the tribe of Reuben, the, the oldest. And as he placed that one, Pastor Keith, down on the ground, I'm wondering what he was thinking. I'm wondering what he was praying. Maybe he could have been praying and saying, oh, God. 
as the leader, as the oldest. God, would you flow in and through the life of Reuben. May Reuben follow you all the days of his life. May he be a mighty man of God for you and those that come from that tribe. God, may they reach out and may they do incredible things. I'm not sure what Joshua said, but he could have. He could have been saying that. And then as he picked up another one and as he set it down and he began to build that tower up at Gilgal, the circle of stones. Wow, it was a place, a, a place of remembering. What do these stones mean? What do these stones mean? Well, the children of Israel, we know it's about 1450 B.C. And again, we're not exactly sure, but most biblical scholars say it's somewhere about in that time frame. And they're getting ready to cross the Jordan River. But you scroll back about 40 years, and we read that tonight, they had come through the Red Sea. They'd already been through the parting of the waters or their grandparents had or their parents had experienced that. And those waters had parted before and they walked across on dry ground. And we know what happened. The, uh, the Egyptians were following in behind them and the Lord protected them, helped them through that entire time. And now we find ourselves getting ready to follow them across the Jordan River and over on into Gilgal, the circle of stones. Joshua was told by the Lord, 12 stones. 12 in the scriptures is a number of perfection of government or rule. Stones meaning strength, sturdiness, durability. Boy, let's pray that for our governments today. Amen? The 12 stones. And Joshua obeyed, and on to our journey we go. Well, the first stone that we see here tonight, the first stone that we want to talk about as we continue on is this, the stone of the future, projecting into the future. And in verse 21, we see this when he said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their fathers, what do these stones mean? In the future. You know, they had just crossed, they were getting ready to cross the Jordan, and if you can go back a page or go back either in your, your scriptures or, or on your device there. And in Joshua chapter 3, it says, Early in the morning, in verse 1, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are the Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. You see, I believe one of the stones that uh, Joshua placed down there was a stone of the future. And as a parent and as a grandparent, I believe Pastor Bill's going to be sharing more about the grandparenting pleasure it is. But as parents, we are privileged to project for our children and those people that we have influence on. You say, well, Scott, I don't have kids. But you know what? You're spiritually parenting somebody. Amen? 
And you think about that person that maybe lives across the hall from you, or maybe your next door neighbor, or that person that you work with. They are maybe far from Christ, or maybe they've already begun their relationship with Christ. Well, you know what? You're parenting them. You're helping them go down that, that trail. And you know what? They probably have some questions about what does the future hold? I think of uh, in um, John chapter 14, when Jesus was getting ready to go to ascend into heaven, and the disciples said, where are you going? What is the future? What, what does it hold for us? And Jesus said, he, he gave that beautiful passage, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes unto the Father except by me. And then he also said, hey, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to be with me so that where I am, there you may be. What? Also, the future. The future. It's hard for us to understand what the future may hold, but yet that's one of the privileges that we as parents have. As parents and grandparents, we help our descendants launch into the future if we, we will. We have something to do. We have that Gilgal to set up in front of them. We have those stones, whatever those, those things may be. We, Michelle and I, were privileged to have three daughters, and we have three children in heaven, and someday we're going to see them as well. But you know what? The, the children that the Lord has blessed us with here on earth, there have been times when we've had the sit-down talks. You know what I'm, you know what I'm, I'm explaining? And, and as we've, we've gone through and they've said, but I don't understand, and I'm not sure what's going to happen. And sometimes we just had to say, you know what? We're not quite sure yet either, but God. God has an incredible plan for you. God has an incredible plan for your life. And as you stay close to him, as you walk with him, as you do all that you can to, to walk in his path, uh, he's gonna do and open up incredible doors for you. You know, in the same way, we bring our children here at People's Church and as a part of the Assemblies of God Fellowship, one of the things that we do is we dedicate kids to the Lord, amen? And just a few weeks ago, Pastor Tom uh, did that once again. What a beautiful, what a beautiful uh, uh, demonstration on behalf of the parents when they come and they say, Lord Jesus, we don't know about the future for this child, but you do. And we're giving this child to you. And we believe, God, that you are going to do incredible things in and through the life of this child. When I dedicate kids to the Lord, one of the things that I do is I write them a letter. And uh, in that letter, I, I put their name and everything like that. And I, I, I tell them, on such and such a date, please know I had the privilege of standing with your parents and dedicating you to the Lord. And now some 11 or maybe 12 years later, then I ask them on their 12th birthday, would you please give that to them? And then as they open it, it's my prayer that if they haven't yet followed the Lord, that they would. And I, I outline how they can, how that they were prayed over uh, so many years ago. And we were believing that God was going to do incredible things in their life. And we still believe in that. And uh, you know what? What a, what a beautiful thing. Amen. A couple of weeks ago out in our lobby, there were some brand new parents. There's nothing like a brand new parent. 
parent. <laughs> Those of us that have been parents, do you know what we're talking about? Those brand new parents. And when I was a brand new parent some 30, I think it was 32 years ago, uh, when we took our firstborn home, my grandmother had knitted this, um, you know how grandmas do? They knit everything. <laughs> and my grandma was a knitter. I had one grandma was a knitter and the other was a crocheter. <laughs> All right? So we had all kinds of stuff. And we wrapped up our, our firstborn, Marisa, and Bruce, she was wrapped up tightly and she was wrapped up well. We, we could have dropped, we didn't want to drop her, but I tell you, she would have just bounced. And, and my grandma, one of my grandmas was there at the time and she said, Scotty, you need to give her some air. <laughs> and so she started taking the layers off. But I remember holding Marisa for the very first time and thinking, oh my, what do I do? <laughs> Parents, you know what I'm talking about? Grandparents, you know what? We've been down the trail now and we've looked through the windshield and maybe some of us, we've got more, um, more of the, the front windshield still in there, but some of us are getting to the, where the, the rear view mirror, we, we, we're, we're paying a little bit more attention to that right now. We've been able to see God has taken care of us as we've gone into the future, and he will take care of our kids as well. Amen? You know, parenting, it's a sacred privilege that you and I have. We've never been this way before, but God can do this. He can give us great wisdom. If you join me over in Joshua chapter 1, just flip back a page or scroll down on your screen. In Joshua chapter 1, and, and Joshua's being given orders by God. And right here in, in verse number 5, uh, he, he, he says to Joshua, no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Verse 6, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people uh, to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Wow, there it is. When we don't know what to do in the future, there's our roadmap right there. And that's where we can take those that are our physical children or those that we're spiritually parenting right there to that spot and say, Lord, you know what? As you walk with God, as you, he's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. He's going to protect you. You will be successful. A couple of weeks ago in the lobby, there were brand new parents and, um, in fact, the baby was just like three days old. And that's cool, you know. And and I went up there, and all of a sudden, I don't know if I did a simian or whatever it was, but I just started praying over that little one right there in the lobby. I said, God, thank you for a beautiful, healthy little boy. 
And Lord Jesus, I'm believing that you have incredible plans for this young man. God, the things that he is going to do, they outnumber anything that his parents have done. God, you have such a great plan, and, and should you, Terry, he's going to tear up the world on your behalf, Lord Jesus. Thank you for blessing him. Amen? You know what? We need to pray over our kids, our, our, our physical kids, as well as our spiritual kids. Well, we have the stones of the future, but we also have the stones of the former. What do these stones mean? What do these stones mean? And in verse 22 of chapter 5, it says, Tell them Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea, the former. You know, at 57, I probably uh, have, I, I know I've got a whole bunch of years left. I'm not planning on checking out. But you know what? I can look back and I can see God has done incredible things in and through my life. Not only my life, but in the lives of other people. You know, as, as he was penning those words, or as Joshua was, was repeating them out, he, he said to them, you know, you may not have remembered, but you were there. Because you know what, child? It was by one of those stones that are set up at Gilgal in that circle of stones that we walked by, and I held you. And you may have only been two or three or four, but yet I was with you. You were with us as well. And God brought us through to safety. And those stones represent that. The Jordan River was at flood stage, but you know what our God did? He pushed back those waters. We were able to walk across on dry ground. You were a part of it. You may not have remembered it, and maybe one of those kids just said, you know what, Daddy, I think I remember just a little bit about what you're talking about. Was that that time, Dad, when we were, and afterwards, that guy Joshua, he put all those, yep, that was the time. That was the time. You were there. The earliest thing, or one of the earliest things that I can remember in my life is being in the back of my dad's Ford, and I think it was a Galaxy 500, and it was black. And we were riding somewhere. He was driving. I was in the back. You know, those are the days we didn't wear seat belts. I don't know how we made it, but we did. I'm not saying anything about those. But uh, I was, whole, I was my favorite place to be, and I would fight my sister, was between the headrests. Because you know what I'm talking about, and, and we, would, we would be right there. Well, my sister wasn't along on this trip. And, uh, and, and so I was, I was there, and I had my chin right up and uh, was listening, and, and the radio came on. And this is a special news report from ABC News. And I thought, mm, okay. And then what, what, what had happened was told. And then my dad reached up, I still remember him doing this, turning it off and saying, oh, no, not another one. And that was the day that Robert Kennedy was assassinated. 
You see, my parents found out that I was coming the day that John F. Kennedy was assassinated. They went to the doctor that morning. That's the day they ordered a brand new car, a 1964 Chevy Impala. It was yellow canary. You know what I'm talking about? But better than that, they got me that day. Or <laughs> no, they, they found out that I was coming. And now some three and a half, four years later, and those of you that lived through the 60s, you remember those special reports that would come on. And I remember that, yes, I was there at the time, but I really didn't understand what was going on at that point. You know, recently one of our daughters, actually a couple of them, have been going through uh, some uh, challenges in their lives and asking God and seeking the direction that he has for their lives. And we've been praying with them and saying, Lord Jesus, open up doors. Open doors that only you can, can open. And my prayer has been this with them, that God would open doors and that he would gently close doors that they're not supposed to go through. Amen? And the Lord has done that. And it's been incredible to see what God has done. Well, as we were going through, Michelle and I, with them, we were able then to look to the, back, to the past, the former, those former stones. And they were saying, well, Dad, Mom, what did you do when you didn't know and it was hard to figure out what God was, was doing, what God was saying to you? What, what did you... And it was at those times that I was able to rehearse with them and said, girls, you know what? When we went to Las Vegas, Nevada, and uh, Michelle and I, we moved from Helena, Montana to Las Vegas. You talk about culture shock. <laughs> but you know what? Great people there. And people that need to know the Lord. Amen? And really, if you get off the Las Vegas Strip, it's just a normal city. Honestly, it is. You know, but I remember rehearsing with them and saying, you know, God opened that door up. And then when that was closed and, and we, we sensed that God was moving us on, but we didn't have a place to go, uh, the pastor was great. He worked with us at everything and we were journeying up and God miraculously opened a door in Kalispell, Montana for us to go and to serve on a team there for just about seven years. And then when that door was coming to a close, we moved here to Salem, Oregon, back in the fall of August of, uh, of 2007. And we just began attending People's Church. I didn't have anywhere to go. And God opened up this door miraculous. You know, we're just able to say, you know what, girls? God has been faithful to us. The things that we've been through, we've seen him time and time and time again open a door and a allow for us to walk through. Well, in Psalms 136, and I don't have that on the screen, I don't believe, but in Psalms 136, it's known as the great halal, the great halal. And it goes like this, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. You know the next line, his love endures forever. That first one there though, give thanks to the Lord, means Jehovah, the title of grace. Well then verse two, give thanks to the God of gods, Elohim, okay? The, the title of might, 
His love endures forever. Verse 3, give thanks to the Lord of lords. Adonai, the title of sovereignty. His love endures forever. And then the psalmist goes on and he writes through this, uh, this passage that God is our master. And then he writes, he's our maker. And then he's our protector, our redeemer. He's our provider. And it's all packaged right there in that beautiful little psalm there. You know what? God's got it well under control. Amen? Well, 40 years before, kids, we experienced that same thing when God parted the Red Sea. And your grandfather held my hand as we walked past Moses and through the Red Sea and now grandpa's gone, but boy, I held you. I held your hand. And these former things, guess what? God is still not done. He's got incredible things that he wants to do in and through your lives. Dr. John Maxwell uses a, 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 an analogy, if you will. I killed a lion, killed a bear, now bring on Goliath. Right? You know, hey, God was with me in the past. God is with me right now. He's going to be with us as we move into the future. Let's keep trusting him. Amen? In 1 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 12, there's a beautiful passage, and Michelle and I, we attended Northwest College, and I think maybe even some of our, our uh, superintendents or former district officials that are here, you may have been there. It was in 1984 when Dr. D.V. Hurst, I used to wash his car, <laughs> you know what, that was fun, that was, that, that's extra, but he had a beautiful car, and I would just wash it, you know, and drive it through campus, wave at people. <laughs> that, was, that was a long time ago. But Dr. Hurst did this. He realized that we needed to put down a stone and thank the Lord for what he had done so far in the life of Northwest College. And so this giant boulder, probably the size of of, uh, well, all these rocks, probably, you know, four to five feet high, and then a, a bronze plaque was, was made for it. And I remember we went outside. We didn't have chapel inside that day. We, we went out and we stood. There's a little bridge outside the Butterfield Chapel up there. Some of you know exactly where I'm talking about. And here was that stone. I remember Dr. Hurst saying this, you know what, God has done incredible things. He's opened up. It's a miracle, really, that Northwest, the campus is where it's at and, and the way that God has provided through all those days. And I remember etched on that, on that bronze plaque is this, hitherto has the Lord helped us. He's brought us to this spot. We could tell you stories of what God has done, but he's not put the pen down yet. Amen? And there's still stories to be written until he calls us home. Well, tonight we've talked about the stone of the future. We've talked about the stone of the former. And finally tonight, the stone of fear, if you will. I'm not talking about a fear where we have to, you know, buckle our knees or, you know, walk in, but rather a holy reverence toward a God who loves us and has done everything for us. Amen? You know, as we think of what he's done, 
for us. When we talk about the, the stone of the, of the future, we're kind of like a coach. We're getting close to football season again, and, and uh, you know, I can see my beloved Minnesota Vikings and their coach on the sideline saying, come on, guys, we want to win at least one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, anyways, we're just going to keep moving on that one. <laughs> and uh, just one game would be good sometimes. But there's that, as, as, when, you, when you're projected into the future, you're kind of that coach. But then as we just talked, you're kind of a player. On the former, you're kind of the player and you're rehearsing everything that when I was in the trenches, God was there with me. Well, now we've moved into, if you will, the cheerleader section, okay? Walking in a holy reverence and fear before God. Being, saying, kids, you know what? Let's do this together. Let's praise our God together. Let's thank him together. Let's walk as a family together as we uh, do our best to follow him. You know, at times Israel had trouble seeing the great blessing and the covering that God had put upon them. Psalms 126 is, is, uh, is a passage that speaks of this. And in Psalms 126, it's a part of the song of the ascents, but it says this, when the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations. Did you catch that? Then it was said among the nations. The Lord has done great things for them. And that's in quotes. Next verse. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are filled with joy. You know, sometimes we, we get so stuck in our own ways that we don't see exactly what God has done for each and every one of us. And the, actually, the children of Israel in Psalms 126, they found themselves in, and the nations that probably weren't even serving God were saying, you know what? God's hand is upon them. God is doing incredible things. We can't come up against a God. And sometimes the children of Israel, they were cowering and saying, ah. But, but the, the others were saying, you know what? You serve a great God. And friends, we do serve an incredible God. Amen? We must not take things for granted. You know, Alex Haley, the author of Roots, is said to have a picture in his office with a turtle on a fence post. Maybe you've seen that before. And when, he, when people asked him, why did you put that up there? He said, because that turtle didn't get there alone. And you know what? We don't get through life alone either. Amen? As God walks with us, as we partner with God, as we walk in holy reverence and fear, our God takes great care of you and I. Isaiah 49, 16 says this, see I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. And how do we do that? Well, Psalms 119, 11, I have hidden your words in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know, we've seen the horrific uh, tale and story of the last month down in Miami and how what 
took place in that apartment complex or that townhouse. And I've read some of the things that have taken place down there. And one of the things that came out was the builders and then the people that were trying to get it done. Lauren, you're, a, you're a, a builder, you're a former builder, but you're still building and we appreciate that, my brother. But they weren't on the same page and one was saying, get it done yesterday and the other was saying, no, I can't. And they, they skipped some steps evidently. Bottom line is this, there wasn't a good foundation that was put in. Now, I'm not talking about the physical foundation, but everything that, that brought it to this particular place, something went wrong because they didn't follow a good authorized plan. Our plan is right here. The holy word of God, amen? And as parents, uh, physical parents, spiritual parents, we have that privilege of sowing great seed into the lives of the kids that uh, we parent. You know, D.L. Moody has said to have, have said this statement, God sends no one away empty except those who are full of themselves. God sends no one away empty except those who are full of themselves. When we think we've got it all under control, we don't need to walk with God, wow, we're in a very, very tenuous situation. Friends, God is watching over us, and he's protecting us, and our response is to walk in holy reverence and fear with him. As I get ready to close tonight, a couple weeks ago, I had the privilege, and it really is a privilege, to uh, lay uh, the parent of uh, some precious people that attend our uh, uh, 10 o'clock service to rest. They called me up and said, Scott, would you, uh, would you do Dad's memorial? I said, I'd be honored to. Little did I know that his father was the fire chief of Las Vegas, Nevada. And you don't get to be the fire chief of Las Vegas. He had done some incredible things of uh, all the certifications, special certifications for fighting fires. He had been on the front line of making these happen. And I believe in the entire world, in the entire world, there were only seven departments that had, had attained that level of status. I mean, he, he had done incredible things in his life. But as he retired in 1996, uh, there was still more for him to do. 9-11 happened. You remember where you were, those of you that were born or alive at that time when 9-11. I remember I just dropped our, one of our daughters off at school and I walked in and I what is going on? Well, as a result of that and because of the skills that he had, he was called out of retirement and uh, he was uh, in charge of uh, a part of the Department of Homeland Security as that was all getting going in uh, the last part of 2001. And at the funeral, uh, U.S. Senator Harry Reid 
sent a video message, a personal one to the family. He was way up the food chain. But he retired from that and moved up here to be closer to the family. And you know, Las Vegas is a long ways from here. The eldest daughter was given the assignment of uh, sharing some words about what uh, dad had said. Just a few days before he passed away, he said, come here. And uh, so she sat down next to him and he said, I've got four things that I want to say and I want you to pass them on to the family. And so she read through those. The first the takeaway was this, not everything that glitters is valuable. And having lived in Las Vegas and maybe you've been there and stuff, you know, basically he was saying, get your priorities right, huh? And number two and number three, and then the last one, I thought, I wonder what number four is going to be. Number four was this. Don't forget about the most important relationship that any of us have, and that is your relationship with God. And I'm telling you what, you could have heard a pin drop. Dad was speaking from the grave that day. And I think as we look at these stones, Joshua, he, he grabbed those stones. He put them there at Gilgal, and he, he built them up. The stones of the future, the stones of the former. But that stone of walking in fear and reverence, walking side by side with God, and allowing him to open up doors for us and our family that uh, we could never, ever imagine. Amen? I close, close this time for the last time. About 25 years ago, I had the privilege of uh, of being at my grandfather's funeral. He's a great guy. <laughs> he loved God with all of his heart. I can still see him on Sunday mornings when I had the privilege of sleeping over at Grandma's house. I'd sneak downstairs early in the morning, and he already had the coffee going at like five in the morning. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And he loved his coffee, and he would put a sugar cube in his, in his uh, lips and pour the coffee in the, uh, in the saucer, and then he'd drink it that way. No wonder he had bad teeth, huh? <laughs> but I also saw Grandpa there, and maybe some of you have seen that picture where there's a, a beautiful man with a head of, white head of hair, and he's... You know which picture I'm talking about? That was Grandpa Wahlberg. He was praying. He was talking to God. 
And then I saw him, he would write out his check to Two Harbors Gospel Tabernacle. I'm not even sure if the church is still in existence. I hope it is. That's where Donnie Moan came. Some of you remember Donnie Moan. Donnie Moan and my grandparents were best of friends. And uh, that's, that's the church he came out of with Hosanna Integrity Music back in the 80s and 90s. He's about 10 years older than I am. Well, then I remember my dad in Helena, Montana. I'd go out. My dad didn't get up quite as early. <laughs> Six o'clock. <laughs> But he'd be out there on a Sunday morning and he'd be going over his Sunday school lesson or he'd be spending time in the Word of God. I'd see him do it and then I'd see him get out his pen and he'd write out his check to First Assembly of God in Helena, Montana. Great heritage, amen? And so when I was asked um, to uh, share at grandfather's funeral, uh, I began to think, well, what do I talk about? I mean, come on, there's all kinds of things, but Lord help me. So I decided, you know what, I'm gonna go out and mow the lawn. So I went out there and Grandpa had this old, it was actually the last picture my dad ever took of him. He was sitting on his lawnmower. It's an old coast-to-coast lawnmower. You don't even know what coast-to-coast -coast is, but it's a hardware store, okay? Grandpa was there, big old smile sitting there and he had his hat and he never wore his hat down it was always up you know the bill <laughs> that's just the way he wore his hat his hat was up with a big old smile you could tell man he loved God well I mowed the yard and everything but I couldn't get close enough to the trees and everything that was around those trees and then I thought oh yeah grandpa's got another lawnmower I'm gonna go grab that so I went and I grabbed that lawnmower and I got it going and I'm mowing around the yard and all of a sudden, Pastor Marks, it hit me. That's a lawn boy. It's a lawn boy lawnmower. It's green in color. My dad has a lawn boy lawnmower. And then I thought of my house back in Helena. Guess what kind I had? Lawn boy. Same color. But more important than having a lawn boy lawnmower is the fact that Grandpa did this. He instilled the Word of God into our family. Amen? And it flowed, it, it, it went down into the five children that they had. And then as it went out into those of us, and, and it keeps going. Wow, the incredible, you know, as you and I, as we look back, what do these stones mean? Oh, yeah, there's the, the future, there's the former, but there's also, hey, let's walk with God right now. Amen.